Hey, I'm Jim Woods, and welcome to the Finish Your Book Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by StoryCrafting.net. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, everyone, I am thrilled to be with my buddy John Acuff here. We're going to talk a little bit about momentum, going to talk about kind of the ins and outs of finishing your book, not just writing your book and like leaving it half done, but finishing your book. Thanks so much for being with me, John. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jim. Absolutely. So you're starting out, you know your goal. You want to write a book and finish it. Are there any kind of things just to be aware of in that? Because I think a lot of us have great intentions, but you know, you end up with a book that's half written on your hard drive. How can you avoid that? Any, any ideas or tips that you can roll with there? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a bunch of ways you avoid that. One is you set a realistic time frame. Um, I think part of the problem is we won't write for 10 years, and then we'll be like, I'm writing a book this summer. Um, and I, I, I'm fine with that. Like, I love that approach. I just think it took you 10 years to get to not, not writing. Why do you have to have a three-month window? It's the same with any goal. Like, it took me 20 years to get into this debt. I want to be out of this debt in six months. Like, and so I think we think an aggressive goal is noble or is the way we have to do it. But over and over again, the aggressive goals um, are overwhelming and we don't do it. So I think a great first tip is don't try to write a book, write a chapter. And then write a second chapter and a third chapter and a fourth chapter. I think sometimes the reason we don't finish is we try to do too much right out of the gate. That's a great point. And I know you're a big advocate for kind of – keeping it small and sometimes you even say just cut your goal in half Mm -hmm. that's where you're like okay don't focus on the book focus on the chapter and focus do you like essentially say okay i'm gonna work on this chapter this week is that kind of how you really break it down yeah i mean i would try to say if i was writing a book I'd, i'd have like an outline of the chapters and it wouldn't be perfect i think sometimes we get lost in the outline. So I'd have an outline of the chapters. I'd have a rough sense of how long I wanted it to be. I'm not a huge, like, a chapter has to be this many words. Like, I couldn't tell you of any of the six books I've written how long, how many words the chapters were. It's just not, it's not some, now, I don't want it to be, like, one chapter is 9,000 words and one is 2,000. Right. But the outline, I should see that problem in the outline. If I look up on the wall and the outline has... 42 ideas in one chapter and four in the other, then I haven't prepared the book correctly. I don't want to discover that in the writing. I could, I should see that in the outline. Um, so I, I think for me, it'll be, okay, for the next couple of days, I'm going to work on getting a draft of this, like just a draft. And then it's like, for the next couple of days, I'm going to get a draft of this. And then the next one, like, I kind of go through it that way versus like, I rarely would say, unless I have a ton of momentum, I rarely would write through to a second chapter in the same day. You know, if I know, like, wow, chapter two sets up three perfectly and I have some momentum, I'll write into three. But usually it's like, I got my head around this, I feel good about that, I'm going to pause it. Got my head around this, feel good about this, I'm going to pause it. It's usually like that. Makes sense. Makes sense, especially from a rhythm standpoint. Sure. Now... I know that you, there's some like barriers that we even like leave in our own way. Um, you call some of these, like, uh, let's just talk about hiding places. What are hiding places? That's such a unique term. Yeah. yeah. So a good hiding place example would be like email. 
Um, I, I know you and I have talked about this a bunch because that's the thing. Like we've known each other for years and years. Um, we have a lot of overlap um, in what we do. And so I would say email is one because it gives you the sense of that you did something. Um, it's also um, never ending. You know, a good hiding place doesn't have a finish. And so I can do email and do email and do email and do email. And there's never, a, there's never like where I go, I'm all done. Because even the goal of inbox zero, it just means I get more sent back to me. So like, that's where you know you have a hiding place where there's, it gives you the sense of work, um, but it really doesn't move anything forward and it's never over and it's always there for you. That's a great example. And research could be one oh, when yeah. you're writing a book, right? Or totally. trying to finish. Um, well, I guess it's one of those where like, when are you done with research? Like you, I mean, I've had friends that'll tell me they they want to write a book on a small topic and they'll say, I have 120,000 words written on this book. And I'll, and I'll think, then it's not a small topic. Like and no one's going to read that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, I think research is a great example. And Anything that's really just giving you some satisfaction, kind of social media could easily be one where that could, you know, or blogging even when you have a well, book. building your platform, blogging. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the challenge is that if you have a blog audience you're trying to maintain during the writing process, you might have to pull back on that. You might have to say, I blog four times a week today, I only blog once a week. I blog, you know, like that's the challenge. Mm-hmm figuring out your rhythm kind of in that rhythm and which like which which parts you kind of chill on which parts you expand which parts you amplify what you're trying to do with it like that's i think part of what happens what is a noble obstacle when you're nope. especially like especially when you're looking at writing a book do you have any noble obstacles that have ever like popped up in your own writing journey well, I mean, I think that for me, a noble obstacle could be, well, I'm just traveling so much, I don't have time. And so then you go, well, at other times in my life, I've written at the airport, like I've written on airplanes, like it's not, it's not illegal. Like I could, you know, if I, if I can sit in an airplane for an hour, I can certainly write, you know? So I think the idea, you know, another noble obstacle that you hear from writers as well I'd write a book, but I don't want to ignore my family. I've got young kids right now. And, and the, the reason it's such a noble obstacle is it makes you look like a great father or, or mother. Like, oh, I'm sacrificing my dream for my kids. Where like, the reality is you're throwing your kids under the bus. You're blaming your inability to do something on your kids. Does it mean you'll have as much time as a single adult? Maybe not. Like, but it doesn't mean, the, the thing about a noble obstacle is the idea that it's all or nothing. Either I don't write at all and I'm for my family or I write and I ignore my family. Like there's no in between. Like you can do both. You can get up a little earlier. You can stay up a little later. You can use your lunch break. There's ways to do it. That's fantastic. And even if you work at home, that's always a factor. If you work at home and I know one thing you'll do is you'll go to the library, go to like the corner oh, yeah. of the coffee shop. Is that a big part of your momentum to keep yeah, kind of I momentum? Yeah, I so um, because – when you go somewhere else, it, there's a lot of kind of cues that help you, I think. There's what are you going to pack to bring? Like, what are you bringing? There's you're anonymous. Like, nobody's going to bother you. Mm-hmm. There's a set period of time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in this place from 8 to 11, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's the decompression of driving there and driving home. There's the, you know, 
there's the caffeine. So like if you're at a coffee shop, That's right, yeah. so there's, there's a lot of, I think, positive cues that help kind of establish the momentum. A music headphones. I know you're kind of like a big rhythm guy as far as that goes. Um, yeah. I, I find that as far as writing goes, I like, um, I like like ambient music when I'm writing, because if I can hear lyrics, I'll get distracted. Like I'll start thinking about those. Sure. Now they're in my head. What I like is kind of, I want to hear like, I really like this artist, John Hopkins, um, which is J O N H O P K I N S. Like and John, <laughs> yeah, they're not bad. I'm a fan. Um, but like for him, I'll go to his Spotify, um, PlayStation or no, his Spotify radio. And it'll open me up to a hundred artists that are similar. So, so I just like the, I kind of like the covering of that. And it's another one of those triggers of like, now it's time to write. What about secret rules? Because I think that's a big one. I, I remember when I read this chapter in your book, Finish, I'm like, wow, I have like a ton of secret rules as I'm writing a book. And I'm like, oh, I, I was just, I, I came up with like a list of 10, right? Just yeah. reading that. So a secret rule is kind of anything where, um, it's a, it's something that's not true that you've accepted as true. So maybe somebody, maybe a teacher in the third grade said, you're not a good writer. Um, and you still like the closer you get to finishing your book, that voice is like, you're not a good writer. Um, maybe it was, you know, um, a, a parent said writing is frivolous and will never make money. So anytime you spend time doing it, you feel like, oh, I'm wasting my time. I should be doing something else. So yeah, a secret rule is really kind of, Another way people say it, um, it's not my phrase, a million people say this phrase, is it's a limiting belief mm. in that it limits what you're able to do because you kind of hit this this ceiling and you go, okay, I can't go beyond this because there's a rule, there's a belief. Like even, I think until you actually hit a certain point, like in your gut, what's one of those core fears, all writers have it. It's like until you get your word count to a certain point, I can't finish. Like, yeah, no, I think that's, that's a great a, one. Right? I mean, I think that's a core one that a lot of, you know, a lot of writers hit it. And I Well, I would you know? say that one is a good one. And I think part of why this is fun is that your examples are dead on because you're a writer. So <laughs> research is a great example. This is a great example of a secret rule. Um, the outline is a great example. Until I have a perfect outline, I can't write my book. But the reality is you never write the book you intend to write. It always ends up different, which is not a bad thing. That's just reality. Um but yeah, the word count, we it's kind of sometimes the secret rules become secret idols where if I have the right word count, it'll protect me or, you know, somebody will pick it up and think the book is thick enough. Like all these kind of crazy things right. that we put into our head. Right. Like those, it's almost like arguments you're having internally, which a lot it's of- It's just yourself. Yeah. And it's fear-based and not true and yep. messy. Now, I know you're a big fan of data. Let's be honest, data doesn't really sound very artistic. That doesn't sound like something that would be a good ally in the artistic process. No, and it's not. It's I wish, and if somebody watching this can come up with a better word, I'm all for it. I wish there was a better word for data because it's it's such a boring word. You think of taxes. You think of accountants. You just think like <laughs> it's such a very boring word. But the reality is when I say data, I just mean a measurement that will kind of help you along the way. So during the middle of writing a book, your emotions get loud and go, you're not doing well, you're too far behind, other people have written better books. Like Emotions tell you all these lies. Data tells you the truth. So data will say, no, you know what? Like You put in 
10, uh, 10 minutes. That's more than zero. You put in a hundred words, you put in 200 words. You've, you look at your writing calendar and go, I wrote 20 days this month. Like I don't accept my emotion telling me I'm a failure. Like I put in work and I know that and I'm happy about that. So it's the same as like the example I use in finish. One of them is like, I went to a restaurant and it was the first restaurant I've been to where people had, it was in New York and in New York you had to have the calories on the menu. Mm -hmm. So the state of New York was like, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Restaurant ears didn't want to do it, but they did it. So we go to this restaurant, there are all these calories and it was fascinating because everybody's order changed. Like you could see people go like, like, Oh, who knew loaded cheese fries had were like fattening. Like (laughs) who knew molten lava cake was not like the molten isn't vitamins. And so everybody was kind of frustrated at the data, but the reality is, the calories were there regardless if we knew them. Like the calories were just data. Now what data does is it goes, here's some information if you really want to do it. So for instance, here's an example. If if you were coaching a client and said, I want to finish my book by July. Mm-hmm. And you said, awesome, let's get your calendar out. And you looked at the calendar and you said, okay, wow, you're launching a big project at work this summer. Wow, you're taking a two-week vacation with your family. Wow, and you said, you have 17 days available. And during those days, you have an hour available. Are you telling me you can finish your book in 17 hours? And they go, no, that's crazy. And then you go, okay, then let's not say July. Let's say November. And it's not failure. The data has said, Jim, here's the truth. You get to decide to listen to it or not. So that's where I think from a writing perspective, even in the midst of artistry and colors and all the things we like to talk about, data has a place. And it's so clear. It tells the story that our emotions, our emotions change. And it, yeah. especially as artists, data. as artists, man, our emotions, they're changing. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, I feel like writing, you know, you've been there and, and done that many times. It's like, Ooh, I feel really creative now. And I think a lot of people, it has to be, there has to be something else driving this other than yeah. just our creativity and our emotions. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Cause they're going to change. They're going to, there's going to be days where you feel disappointed, discouraged, um, you don't feel like doing it. So yeah, the, you try to rely on something that's not going to change and data, data is just data. Like it doesn't, doesn't care about your feelings. It does, doesn't worry about your feelings. It just goes, here's the simple truth. Like enjoy. You uh, mentioned in your book finished that progress is quiet and without data, it disappears. I think yeah, so the flip side of that is failure is loud. Like yeah. that's the other thing. So like, we, you know, it's kind of like when somebody tells you, I've been working out for a month and I've only lost two pounds. And you right. go, well, has your pant size changed? Has your, like, there's all these other things to measure. Sure. But if you only look at the scale, then you might be disappointed because it's only one form of measurement. Mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. Um, you know, same with if, you, if you're honest with yourself and say, I don't have a platform. And if I said to you, well, is it bigger today than four years ago? And if you said, I don't know, then you, of course you don't know. Like, of course you're depressed because you have no metric to go, oh, wow. Actually, like it feels like it hasn't changed, but over time I can see it stacking on itself. I can see it growing on itself. That's, you know, I, the biggest example is like if you ever launch a project, like a product online, mm-hmm. you do a class. The first day you're like, oh, it's going to be like 20% sales. And then like, dude, it's like four people. And if you don't know that, it's super depressing. If you know that, you know, okay, it's not going to be huge. I'm not going to become some passive income millionaire today. Like, it sets the expectations that I would argue that's the other thing data helps you with 
is it sets the expectations. I know you're a huge Patriots fan, and mm -hmm. I have to throw this Bill Belichick quote at you because you'll probably love it later. Manage your expectations. He was yeah. saying that to his team. And I, I use it all the time because if you don't have any, you know, scope, it becomes, you know, one of those unicorn jelly bean kind of scenarios where it's, it gets really, really fuzzy and you have to manage your expectations or you just have no clue. You don't know how you're expect. doing. I mean, but the, the whole thing is that like a speedometer is managing your expectations. I am trying to drive. I, my expectation is I don't get a ticket. And the speedometer is like, great here's how to not do that and then your head like it would be so dumb to be like i'm an artist i can't be limited by my speedometer like no if you if you don't want to go to jail the speedometer is like hey this is and so it's funny there's certain parts of our life where we accept data like your clock sure. like nobody nobody i meet is like i hate the clock i hate time i don't want to be constrained i'm creative um we all like if a train is scheduled for 8 a.m., I don't show up at 8.30 and be like, that's unbelievable. Like, I don't, I can't believe they came at 8. Like, I don't believe in time. But it's too bad. Like, it doesn't need you to believe in it. Like, it just is. And so right. I think the more we can kind of wrestle with that relationship with data, the easier life is. I think in some ways the data is like mile markers. It's a, you know, it's a figure to simply, you know, track that progress when you're kind of on that path or when you're, you know, yep. focused on a project. It's like, you know, each, each mile mark you get, each, each task that you, you know, you well, pass and you're right you in the sense that like, the problem is a lot of writers only have two mile markers the day I started the day I'm done. Exactly. And you go, that's a huge, like your mountain is now this steep. Like there's only one other spot to stop. On. Like that's right. tough. Like where you and I would say, well, the first 100 words, like, like AA doesn't give out sobriety coins by the decade. They're not like, here's your first 10 years. Like yeah. there's things along the way where they're like, that's amazing. Like, look how far you've come in this window. And so right. I think mile markers, you know, it's, it's more like some days it's more like foot markers where you're like, I moved 10 feet and like, it wasn't what I wanted, but it's what I did. So great, great segue for me. Thank you very much. All right. Momentum, right? What about when you're writing? And you, you know, when you actually get to the revision process, you know, the editing and knowing you, sure. you have all your pages all over and your red pen, right? Yep. And you're like, okay, so all this has to go. I'm not using this. It's just getting, or the editor comes back with some feedback. You thought it was great. And the editor's like, John, it's good. Doesn't fit. Doesn't yeah. work with the book. Mm -hmm. How do you get momentum back when? I mean, I've seen your, I've seen, I remember a picture you had once on Instagram. It was like my book and it had like, comparatively, you had a stack oh, yeah, of paper. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. How do you get your momentum back? No. So, I mean, I guess part of it starts with the relationship. Like you have to trust the editor. So like, don't hire them if you're not going to take their feedback. Sure. Like if, I mean, what a waste of money. Like if, and I don't even mean like. I always like whether you self-publish or traditionally publish, you should have an editor. Oh, absolutely. The, the only difference is that like you pay for the person or you or you or they're through the publisher. Right. But don't have the relationship if you're not gonna take their advice. Like it's so weird. It'd be like if a plumber came over to fix something, I was like, nah, like I don't nah, think so. We're okay. I wouldn't like <laughs> I would take that advice. Um, what if it's just so, you? What if there's not an editor in the mix? Say it's and your book's early. gonna suck. Your book's gonna suck. Like if there's not an editor at all, like that's a stupid scenario. I'm talking and before your book's you send suck. it to your editor. 
before. No, and so like send it to the best you can, but you're not an editor. So like I don't like no, the scenario we're talking about is there's a ton of editing, it has to go. If there's stuff that you know that needs to go, I'd still send it to the editor and let them Just decide. Just in case. That's a great call. You're too close to it. Like yeah. you don't know like the thing you think might not be helpful, the editor might go, Jim, this is like like this is the best stuff. Like I think there's there's great help in this. I think people need this. And I don't know, like you're so close to what you're writing that I think it's hard. Great point. Great point. Outside perspective. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk more about finishing. You're coming up to that finish line. You know, you're getting closer. You've done editing. You've worked with the editor. What are some things that a writer can look out for? Because I think, I think we're hitting a lot of the same challenges at the very, very end. Yeah, I mean, I think you can you can expect new ideas to show up. Like that's where, when you read a book that's got like fifty main points, it's because the writer was too much of a coward to admit the book was done, um, and needs to just say like, no. Like, the problem is we write like it's our last book, not our next book, and so like we write like the last helicopter out of Vietnam. Um, like every idea has to get on board, and that's just not true. Like, save it for the next book. Um, so I think that's the biggest one I see, or just, you know, the fear that it won't be perfect. Won't be um, perfect. Kind of the other one was FOMO, right? Yep. Pushing well, as much just, The idea that it's going to like not be as, it won't live up to expectations. The reality is it won't because <laughs> most does. of us think like, oh, the day my book releases, like will change everything. Like there was a big book release today. Do you know whose book it was? Not off the top of my head. Okay, exactly. So <laughs> it's number four on Amazon right now, and it, like it's a big book release. You don't even know what book it is. So like the idea is, no, I well, don't. Like, everybody's <laughs> life will be changed, and it's crazy. Like, no, it won't be. Like, it's not. That's just not how it works. And so like, it's a big day for you, but that's just the first of a lot of the days. So right. like, but I think that belief, it's kind of like when you think. Like they used to have that show Bridezilla's where like brides would lose their minds over, over their weddings. Yeah. That was, you know, that was just because that poor girl had an expectation in her head Mm -hmm. since she was like six. Mm -hmm. And then like when it doesn't, when it's not met or like, and so like a lot of writers for 10 years, 15 years have been like the day my book comes out, it'd be amazing. So the closer they get to do it, they start to think like, but what if it's not? And it's, I'm here to say, it's not going to be that. Like that's, that's not failure. That's just how it goes every time. That's a great point. Yeah. Having that, having that expectation again, and you have to manage it and kind of set your own goals. Don't let everyone else, you know, set goals. You need to really be tied to this project. But once you ship it, it's a long-term commitment. It's not a, it's not a one night stand. You're going to talk about it for years. You're going to talk about, you know, for years and years and years. And so like, the first day matters, but it's not its not the only day. Fantastic. So you currently are probably working on a book, knowing you. Mm-hmm. How is it going? I mean, how is it in the trenches when you're writing a book and yet you're still talking about another book? Just kind of behind um, the scenes. I, don't, I find that easier than when you're writing a book that's also based on a blog. Like that to me gotcha. is a harder challenge. I, re- I really respect people who do it well. That was my first book. My first book, I was writing a book while I was trying to right. keep a blog going. Keeping that fresh. is really tough because what happens is you go, is this for the book or for the blog? Is this for the blog? Is this for the book? Like you go back and forth. So <clears throat> working on 
you can separate on, it is what you're saying. Yeah, my temptation though is that like I end up wanting to speak about the book that doesn't exist yet. So oh. I have to be deliberate about like I don't go give a speech on a thing that doesn't exist because then I'll like by the time the book comes out I'm tired of it. Sure. So that's kind of the tension is like the p- promoting finish while working on something new that's not hard for me. Not talking about it while I work on it that's hard for me. That makes sense. Are you still a morning writer? You kind of like to write in the mornings. I prefer mornings. Like I just think brain wise I'm smarter. Like I have you know <laughs> and like. I don't I, I like writing during the fall and the winter and I like writing in the morning. That's kind of like a rough, you know. Now have I written books during the summer? I have. It's harder. Like I have a harder time just because like I want to be outside. Like right. your brain think about your childhood brain for eighteen years was taught summer is summer. the time to goof off. Yep. Yep. You know? Um you know. So like that's where there's a challenge, I think. That's fantastic. Any final words for writers who are, you know, everyone is in, in some stage. They've got some part of the book. It's hard, I think, sometimes to see it, like you said, that perspective angle. But any advice for just writers across the board, other authors, that they've got their book rolling and, you know, it's kind of hard. You're so close to it. It's like, it's like don't tell me my baby's ugly. I've got my oh, baby right. here. Yeah, it's yeah, close. Yeah. yeah. It's so close to you, but you got to finish. You've got to step up. Any yeah. Final, I mean, I, final I guess two things. One, like I think stuff like, I think we need other people to help. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think the encouragement you do for writers is valuable. Um, you know, I know that's something you're passionate about. I know it's something you care about. So I think that we need people. There's this, there's this myth of like the lone writer in a cabin in like Maine. And I just don't, beard. like, I just yeah. don't think that's true anymore. So I, I guess the first thing I'd say is you need people mm-hmm. like um, you need to find your community. I think the second thing I'd say is that it's not going to be perfect. Like, and that's okay. Like every book I've ever written had mistakes. Like I had a book once that said Terrell Owens had caught a thousand touchdowns in his career. He caught a hundred. So I was <laughs> off by a factor of 10. Like <laughs> that's significant. Um, and every sports guy was like, you idiot. And then like, in do-over, I said that the sensei of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was Stick. It's not. It's Splinter. Stick, Stick is, is the sensei of Daredevil. Yeah. And so, like, every comic book nerd was like, you idiot. And so, like, <laughs> I swear to you, 97 billion people read the book, and we all missed it. So, like, I think if you can get comfortable with the idea of, like, it's not going to be perfect. That's mm-hmm. fine. I want to care about it. I want to be passionate about it. But I'm not going to be like, ah, like. Right. You just have to know nothing you've written is perfect, nothing I've written is perfect, like nothing J.K. Rowling's written is perfect. Like right. I always joke with people like it's helpful to go read like the one-star reviews of your favorite book. It is. So like every now and then I'll go read one-star reviews of like Great Gatsby and people are like, this book is terrible, <laughs> like I hate it. And you're like, this is – like it captures a season of America and it captures unfulfilled desire and inadequacy and love <laughs> and like – you and I would go like, it's so like, and it's thin. Like it's <laughs> right. not, it's like pages. 180, 180 pages. Yeah. It's right. Yeah, there. It's concentrated and it's so powerful. And so like, I think it's a funny encouragement to go, go find like a book you love, like a book that you would go like war of art. We mm-hmm. both love war of art. Yeah. Absolutely. We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, 
I guarantee if I went online right now, there'd be somebody be like, oh, it was all mumbo jumbo. I don't like this guy. Like, what has he really done? And you want to be like, he's written a ton of movies and a ton of fiction books. Right. Like, his books are taught at West Point. Like, right. so I think, I think just remembering that, like, it's not going to be perfect. There's going to be criticism. Um, and the thing I'd say is like that it's new. I know we've talked about this before. A friend said to me, do you want to know what Kurt Vonnegut told me about Amazon reviews? And I was like, definitely. <laughs> and Kurt Vonnegut told a friend of mine, cause they were friends is if Amazon reviews existed during, when Mark Twain was alive, he would have jumped off a building. Cause think about in Jane the 1920s. Yeah. yeah. In the 1800s, 1900s. It was impossible for somebody to put something negative by the place of purchase. And by that, I mean Amazon. When I go to Amazon, right near the buy button is some random dude that's like, stupid book, guy's an idiot, I hate it. And you're like, ah, oh, never mind. Like Mark Twain, when somebody went into a bookstore and was like, give me Huckleberry Finn, there wasn't like a sign that said like, remember, it's terrible, you'll hate it. And so like, <laughs> that's new. And the other thing I'd ar- I always argue is that like, it's not a review, it's an opinion. Yeah. Like if you change the word, it changes your ability to like, it's a customer opinion. The word right. review used to mean educated, trained, scholarly, deliberate, unbiased to the best of their abilities, <laughs> yeah. not emotional, not personal. Where now we see customer review and we're like, Oh, that guy must know what he's talking about. He might not have even bought the book. Like some of my reviews, right. I can tell the person has not read the book. They right. just, they hate me. And like, I can't do anything with that. You know, like, yeah, there's a, I have a one-star review. I think that says I threw up after every sentence. Like that's all it says. And like, so bad. Oh, I'm laughing, but that that is so wrong. It's terrible. Like, you know, he didn't. And like, and he, like, that's his only review. So we created that account to say that. And you just go like, (laughs) this is some dude that's like, whatever i'm sure his wife's disappointed i'm kidding he's not married there's no way that <laughs> he's in has, a basement he, somewhere he's right never now known the kiss of a woman <laughs> but like that's that's just how life is and he's there right but thanks again well, so much for being with me and uh sharing all yeah, your dude, wisdom fun here. to catch up thanks for listening to the finish your book podcast if you'd like some help with your book whether you're starting or finishing or no matter where you are right now you can go to storycrafting.net slash finish. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.